Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, it's the return of the MAX as the Boeing narrowbody finally gets ungrounded. First of all, I'll take a look at JetBlue's London plans and then Tom will fill us in on all the 737 MAX details. British Airways' Airbus A380s go on a holiday to sunny Spain, but will they come back? And Joe takes a look at how long it would take the MAX's biggest operator to get it back into service. Finally, we'll find out why an LL Dreamliner was delayed for two days in Hong Kong last week. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I know we're very keen to speak about the Max, but um, <laughs> I think everyone should wait while we talk about London. I wanted you to talk about JetBlue and London first, just because I know how passionate you are about it. So Definitely. We're very excited about the arrival of JetBlue on this side of the Atlantic. And uh, the biggest question on everyone's lips for the longest time has been, which London airport are they arriving at? Um, We know it's London, we know that they're considering all the airports, um, but the airline has been very quiet and even now hasn't really revealed any official information on which London airport. But Simple Flying being uh, the sleuthy investigators that we are, (laughs) well, we just checked the report from Airport Coordination Limited. It's not really um, top secret um, because they published their slot requests and allocations, you know, prior to the summer season um, at certain times of the year. So we had a look. And uh, JetBlue, sadly, has been denied its request for 42 weekly slots at London Heathrow for summer 2021, which wasn't a a huge huge surprise. surprise. No, exactly. With the the slot waiver that's in place means that airlines are able to retain their slots, even if they're not really operating them at the moment. And as everyone knows, Heathrow is incredibly congested. Um, But the good news is JetBlue did receive some slots and it received some at Gatwick and some others at Stansted. Um, So it got 14 weekly slots at Gatwick and 28 at Stansted. So that's enough to do a a daily at Gatwick and a a sort of double daily at Stansted by the looks of things. Um, But most of the slots are not at the times the airline was hoping to get. They're not too far off. Um, You know, Gatwick's the really interesting one here. And they were only about 30 minutes off the times that JetBlue requested, um, but some were over 60 minutes off. So it really depends how that ties in with its schedules um, on the other side of the Atlantic and and what that means for it. I'm sure they'll make it work. I'm sure they will. And, uh, you know, the fact it's been granted for summer 2021 is really exciting because... uh, We weren't sure even exactly when they were planning to launch services, but with the slots in place, they could and probably should be launching services before the end of October next year, which is really um, quite soon, (laughs) given the time, how time is flying by these days. Um, So the Gatwick flights are for New York JFK. Um, So clearly we're targeting, I guess, the more affluent, maybe the businessy sort of traveller with that particular service. Stansted being a much more leisure focused airport is flying into Boston. (laughs) I'm not dissing Stansted. (laughs) Not yet. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, So, um, yeah, Stansted flights are to uh, Boston, which is you know, still kind of in the New York area, still on the East Coast, still a lovely big hub with lots of onward connections, um, but not maybe quite as uh, prestigious, if you like, as JFK. Um, 
And the other really interesting thing about their filing was that we know a little bit more about the aircraft now. So we know they're flying their A321neos, the the long range version um, across the Atlantic, but they're flying it with 138 seats. Um, their current domestic mint configured A321s, they're the CEO ones, so they're older, um, but they're roughly the same size in terms of fuselage. And they've got 159 passengers. So it's quite a big drop. It's less than more than 20 passengers fewer. Um, so that would suggest it's going to be fairly premium heavy. And that's quite exciting. Um, it means that there's going to be quite a lot of space to play with the seat configuration Um and as we know, they haven't really revealed the seat for the transatlantic flights yet. Um, they did last week reveal some soft product upgrades. So, um, you know, Hayes's, uh, Robin Hayes, the CEO, his take on it was that they needed to turbocharge Mint for the transatlantic market. So um, they've already started revealing some of the soft product upgrades. And these were already flying on some US domestic routes. So it's better bedding, better food, some wellness products, some cocktails. Um, so, yeah, all very exciting. And we need to wait, apparently, to, to hear about the seat um, in the new year, hopefully. And of course, we'll, we'll bring you all the news on that when we can. Um, but for me, I think the most exciting thing about these flights is what people are calling the JetBlue effect. And this was um, originally coined way back like 50 years ago as the Southwest effect, when the, the carrier started flying into new markets with low prices. The incumbents or the, the airlines that existed there before were just disrupted and were forced to lower their fares. Um, and then the demand increases across the board because it's more accessible to more flyers. And we've seen this on the transatlantic market a little bit with Norwegian and Wow Air, you know, they came in with much lower prices and that kind of spurred a much greater offering of things like basic economy to try and compete with those prices from, from the, the kind of legacy carriers. Um, but obviously, transatlantic business class has never had that sort of disruption. It is still very much the preserve of the uh, the legacy carrier. Um, so, you know, Robin Hayes says that the market is astronomically overpriced um, but the effect is that he says everybody will benefit, whether they fly JetBlue or not. The entrance of this airline is going to drive down business class fares across the Atlantic. And it's about time too. <laughs> so there you go. That's my uh, little update on where we are with JetBlue. They, they look like they'll be flying into Gatwick. Um, with a very premium heavy aircraft, and I can't wait. <laughs> well, me neither, you know. It'd be interesting to see them on this side of the pond, but jumping back across the pond to America, um, I kind of actually wanted to start this segment of the podcast with the song Return of the Mac, um, yeah. <laughs> but I would have no clue how to um, get the, the rights to do that. Um, but this was a very exciting... Sorry. Yeah, return of the max. Um, Here it is. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, um, it was a very exciting week for Boeing and indeed the US aviation industry this week um, because Wednesday, well, we kind of knew it was coming, but on Wednesday, um, we got the green light. The 737 MAX had been recertified. Um, and that's sort of good for. Um, the US because it only applies currently to unregistered aircraft and US airlines. So it's going to have no influence on someone like um, to um, someone like Ryanair who's expecting the 737-200, you know. Um, but then that's a whole different ballpark anyway because the 200 requires separate certification. Um, but it's, it's, it doesn't mean that we're going to see the MAX in the air straight away because 
carriers, they've got to do their own work. They've got to certify their pilots um, and whatnot. Um, interestingly, American Airlines is planning to put the aircraft back into service as soon as um, December 29th, um, which, I mean, it, it makes sense, you know, if the thing is certified and they're happy flying it, why don't they? Um, but I just think it's interesting that American is going so soon when sort of the other US carriers are looking sort of later into 2021 to to bring the thing back. Um, but it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm still, it, it's been very divisive. Um, we've seen a lot of comments on these stories on our website. A lot of people are like, don't let me anywhere near that thing. I don't want to fly on it whatsoever. Um, and then you have other people saying that, well, it's the most scrutinized aircraft on the planet now. Um, it's, it's a tough one. You know, I'm not really sure where I sit. I don't, I'm, I'm not being like Marmite and either loving or hating it. You know, I'm kind of sitting on the wall here. Um, would you fly on one tomorrow if your next flight to London was, you know, Ryanair's Max 200? Obviously, it's not going to be, but yeah. well, in this theory, is the thing, if it know, was, would you get on it or would you look for another airline? Well, to be honest, you know, it's, it's not going to be on my flight tomorrow. It's going to be on my flight in, or I mean, theoretically, Ryanair is going to be the only place I'm going to come across it anytime soon. Um they even if they get their first ones at the start of um start of twenty twenty one, given their network, you know, what's the chances of it going to Frankfurt? But I think if it got to that point, then I probably would just go with it because I really don't think someone like Ryanair would risk putting their customers at risk if they themselves didn't believe that this thing was safe, you know? No. It's the same no. with the FAA and Boeing is even more so with the FAA and Boeing because if it happens with Ryanair, then it's a bad thing for Ryanair. But if it happens for the FAA and Boeing, if this happens again, it's going to be it's the, almost the death of both it? of them, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I think it'll be very safe. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's good to see it back. I mean, what everybody's been saying about it is right. It's a very efficient aircraft. It's going to do wonders for the environmental footprint of its operators. And, you know, all that leads to lower ticket pricing for passengers. So it's a good thing. It is a good thing. And I think people need to get behind the findings of all the reports and investigations and just get on with it. <laughs> and I mean, you know, this isn't the first time that an aircraft has been grounded because it's had um, some terrible flaw that's since been rectified. You know, we've seen it with like aircraft like the Comet that was um, literally exploding in the sky because of hairline <laughs> fractures on the 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 windows um and yeah. they took away the findings for that and they fixed it and the aircraft came back. I mean, it's not even the first time that the 737 as a type has been grounded. Um, I forget exactly what it was, but there's a story on our website where, um, and it was in air crash investigation as well, I think, there was a problem with earlier um, 737 incar uh, incarnations, um, potentially with the rudder. Um, okay. But that got fixed and the aircraft has been back. And since then, it's been one of the most successful narrow bodies arguably ever. So I think, yeah. you know, like it's a terrible thing that happens and we can't, we can't take away from how terrible it was. You know, we can't say it wasn't a terrible thing, but at the same time, I think it's also time to move on in terms of, the, the aircraft's grounding, certainly. Yeah, I think I agree with you there, Tom. Well, 
um, you know, one of the airlines we're all watching quite intently mm-hmm. is the airline that was the biggest operator of the 737 MAX prior to its grounding, which of course is Southwest Airlines. And yeah. this has been a long time Boeing only airline, Boeing 737 only airline. So, mm. you know, their vote of confidence is going to be a huge plus for Boeing and for the 737 MAX. Um, as you said, you know, Americans returning the type to service end of December, but yeah. Southwest, they're really not in a hurry to bring it back. Um, Likely this is down to the pandemic issue. Um, They've already said, Gary Kelly said that they've got around 200 too many aircraft right now. So there's not so much of a pressing need to get more aircraft into operation. Although you would think with the efficiency improvements, the MAX would be a a great aircraft for it right now. Anyway, I I guess... You've got to spend a lot of money, though, um, and maybe it's like a case of we'd rather spend the money in six months' time when we're in a better, better position in terms of bookings. Yeah, quite possibly. So they they have failed to set a date for the return of the MAX so far. Um, And Gary Kelly's saying quarter two 2021 is likely. So, you Mm. know, we're talking about next summer, which I guess makes sense if you're thinking, like you say, about getting revenue in from flight bookings and hopefully the world being in a slightly more stable position by then. Um, They've got to do a lot of maintenance work. You know, they've got 43... uh, 4334 on the ground and all of those are going to need extensive maintenance work to bring them back into operational service Uh, but as well as that um, he has pledged that every single pilot with Southwest Airlines will be certified and trained to fly the MAX before any of them fly any revenue services. So mm. I don't know how many pilots Southwest has precisely, but that's a lot of people have got to go through the uh, the simulator training and the extra kind of pilot manuals and things that go with flying the MAX. Um, and, you know, you wonder why he's doing this. I I, I think we had a conversation about this last week and mm. I thought, you know, likely it's probably flexibility. It's because he needs to swap, be able to swap crews around to different equipment without the headache of thinking, is it a MAX? Is it an NG? You know, which crew is that? Are they able to fly it? So it's, you know, it, operationally it makes sense. Um, but I think you suggested, Tom, it could even be more symbolic than that. You know, it could be about restoring confidence and getting all the pilots behind them to say this is a safe aircraft and this is, you know, what Boeing's done and this is what the fixes are. And mm. I think, you know, in terms of that, that's a that's a great suggestion. That's a, it's a great way to approach it. Um, I mean, there's there's also the argument that by doing this, it gives them a lot of time while American can fly it and maybe iron out any teething problems. There is that as well. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, the one thing that, that Southwest is quite clear on is it's not looking to increase its fleet size right now. There's been rumours mm. floating about about these white tail 737 MAX, which are the, the ones that have been built and are ready to deliver to their customers. But since the grounding started, their customers have since cancelled the orders. So these mm. aircraft are now ready to go with no customer to deliver now. Um, um, but Gary Kelly says it would be crazy to grow his fleet right now um he is talking to boeing but it won't be about you know adding more aircraft to the order it may be about getting their outstanding orders a little bit quicker um but just this morning actually um sorry to spring this on you tom but you've been uh, writing about um, one of southwest's competitors in fact the only big three u.s airline that doesn't have the 737 Mm. max and they are apparently talking to boeing about these white tails well yeah i mean um it's not sort of crazy news to us because in October um, we reported that 
sort of other people were saying that they were in discussions, but at the time Boeing and um, Delta didn't comment. But since then, um, it was in the Financial Times yesterday that Ed Bastian had said, Ed Bastian's the CEO of um, Delta, had said that the airline is in talks with Boeing and that includes the MAX. Mm. Um, and I think that one... Um, that would be sort of even better than a, a white tail order from um, Southwest because with um, Delta, you know, it's a brand new order. So it's not getting rid of some of the white tails at the expense of later um, it's, aircraft it's deliveries. It's actually a, a new customer, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, that would kind of be a little bit of a, a win-win for, for um, Boeing. Um, but it would be interesting just because then, like, I've seen a lot of comments on... Um, on our social media and like when we post these stories um I, I, there was one photo i think um we used on one of our articles and it was of a southwest airlines uh, 737 max in front of a united 737 max in front of an american 737 max and people mm-hmm. were commenting things like um i can see delta's missing i now know which airline i'm gonna fly on sort Ooh. of from the <laughs> the the, the um, the people who aren't so keen to jump back onto it so quickly. And um, I mean, I, I respect that they're entitled to their opinion, so I'm not going to argue that. But um, all I'm going to say is if Delta does take the 737 MAX, then there won't be a big um, free carrier that's not operating it. And Max I think um, JetBlue will probably be one of yeah. the only big carriers that's not operating it at all because Alaska has it, as well as Southwest American and United. Yeah. They do. They I've got, do. I kind of feel a bit bad about Alaska, though, because we always forget that we always talk about sort of Southwest having it, United having it, and American <laughs> having it, and kind of forget a bit about Alaska. No, they're doing great things, mm. and uh, you know they're they're really looking forward to getting it back as well. So, mm. you know, I think. Um, weighing up all the pros and cons the efficiency and the the passenger comforts that will come with the max i think people will fall back in love with it pretty soon i just want to as long as it behaves see, itself <laughs> yeah i just want to see the the 737 max in buzz's livery in person because i'm falling in love with that i love the sort of gray bottom that it has <laughs> it's terrible that horrible it's, cartoon b on the tail fin it's i just hated awful. it when they first <laughs> announced it but actually seeing it on the max it's i just want I would. I I'll, want a I'll copy take of that your on my desk. That, Tom. I'll take your word for that. I'll put it on your Christmas list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, why don't you give us an update on uh, British Airways A380s? Because you haven't well, mentioned them for know. you know a couple of hours at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, seeing as nothing's really happening in Berlin now that it's open, I thought I'd move back to my previous um, continuous topic, um, and that is well, there has been some sort of movement in the A380 fleet at um british airways this month um we've i know i think it was you that reported that um some were going to madrid and some were going to um palma uh, just for sort of winter storage but yeah rather sh- shockingly as they've been leaving chateau chateau Rue, um a couple of them have actually gone to terrell the spanish aircraft graveyard that is famous for having the lufthansa a380s and the air france a380s and some british airways 747s mm. um and i think that's a slightly worrying um a sign you know like as far as i know at this point in time ba is still heavily invested in the 787 the a380 fleet um <laughs> They, 
I, they don't have any wish to get rid of it. And I kind of believe that this is still the case. You know, I don't think I, I genuinely think they've gone to the Terrell for storage, but it can't escape your mind that when the 747s first went down there, BA said it was going to be for storage and now they're not yeah. coming back. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the same with Lufthansa, you know, when they were sending a lot of these aircraft to uh, like the A340s, for example, they said it's just for storage and the, at least one of their A380s was just for storage and now that's not coming back. So, mm. you know, it's an interesting one. I hope they will come back. Um how Just many because, have gone down there? Um, well, when I wrote about it um, on Friday, uh, two had gone down. And what's interesting is not just that two have gone down, but which two have gone down, both um, XLEA and XLEB. Oh. And, um, Are they the earliest ones then? Yeah, exactly. They're the first right. and second ones to be delivered. But they're still, they're still like babies in terms of aircraft years, you know. Both are around eight years old, um, oh. 7.8 years old. Um, so... It's it's really too early to scrap them. Um, I'm just going to go out there and say that, you know. Um, yeah. It's, I think if BA, you can see Lufthansa getting rid of their fleet. You can see Air France getting rid of their fleet. But their fleets were starting to get on a little bit anyway. But I think, I think if BA pulls the plug, that really will be the end of the A380. Because it's they're the one airline that, well, other than Emirates, who seem to love the thing. Um, <laughs> well, BA, they don't uh, have a choice, really, do they? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we hate it, but it's ours. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think like it really works for BA. So I think if if it doesn't come back for BA, that really will be a a big moment. Yeah, it um, will be. I hope it does, and I hope it goes back to Qantas as well. You know, mm. and uh, and and. I think, you know, if you're operating out of these very congested airports, it can make sense. You know, Heathrow well, yeah. is going to continue to be a very congested airport, regardless of the pandemic. You know, I people know, still want to fly to London and their top airport is London Heathrow. So, And I mean, I've got some interesting facts there when you mention Heathrow. Um, Go on. <laughs> I'm not sure what the latest is, but actually um, now there's 15 operators at the A380 Um including like, I think it's 15 um, off the top of my head, like with HiFly and ANA and that. Um, 11 of these have flown the aircraft into Heathrow at some point. I mean, even Air France has operated commercial flights to Heathrow with the A380 when they were testing it out, you know, when it was brand oh, new. Okay. Um, I mean, the only ones that haven't are Asiana Airlines, ANA, HiFly and Lufthansa. Right. Um, but just how many passengers the A380 has carried into Heathrow. I mean, in 2014, 6% of all of Heathrow's passengers came or left in an A380. In 2015, this was 8%. And in 2016, this was 10%. So wow. um, I haven't got any more recent figures, but you could only imagine that in 2019, it would have gone up because they're more carried, like BA, I think, must have, I don't know when they took their last A380, but um, especially Emirates has, surely ramped up their services in that time. Yeah, they were know. flying into Heathrow like, what, six, eight times a day with an A380? <laughs> yeah. It was insane. literally was. Yeah. So it's an interesting one, you know, because it really would be saying something about the capacity of travellers as well if they got rid of this thing. Because, I mean, it's not just... With, with the 747 going out the window, the A380 is kind of the last hope of 
huge passenger transporters and even even yeah. the 747 with its double deck didn't stack up to this thing because if you just take BA for example you know their A380 carried 469 passengers um the 747 wouldn't even take or it took 345 that's less than 100 as um yeah yeah, yeah. 100 less more than 100 less that's the words <laughs> yeah so, no it's it's going to be interesting to see, and I do hope they come back. And I yeah. think they'll be needed. You know, I, I'm fully invested in the future of air travel and the future mm. of passenger demand coming back as soon as we get a lid on this thing. And uh, with the vaccine news and all that business, I think, uh, you know, the, the world is set for a well, restart. You know, I was reading um, in one of the German publications this weekend, because um, I, I think Germany is behind one of the sort of vaccine drives and um, the CEO of the, the guy working on the German one with Pfizer, I think, um, was saying that if like everyone gets their act together and things go through without delays and complications, then um, we should be looking at sort of a significant portion of the German population uh, vaccinated for like August, I think, 2021. Really? Wow, that's really, um, that's going some. Meaning that like next summer there wouldn't, uh, next winter we wouldn't need to have such sort of severe lockdowns. So. I mean, fingers crossed, you know. Um, yeah, things are definitely looking up. And uh, yeah. we've nearly got to the end of the worst year in history. So uh, <laughs> I, I've already put my Christmas tree up just because I can't wait for New Year. I saw. I mean, <laughs> All yeah, done I, with I personally think you're a bit late with that. but <laughs> <laughs> I know you've had yours up since like October. but uh, No, actually, yeah. we were late. We usually put it up on the 1st of November. But um, this year it was more like the 10th. Oh, see, I'm a 12 days of Christmas girl. I definitely put mine up quite close to the Christmas school Christmas break and then take it down quite soon after the kids have gone back to school. But uh, mm. this year we needed something to cheer us up. So we've done it early. Anyway, for you. little bit off topic. <laughs> Simple Christmas trees coming to you soon. <laughs> um, so I'll pitch the I just, idea this week. I wanted to wrap up with something a bit more lighthearted um, mm. because we always used to do that and the news has been so really depressing lately. We haven't managed to find many fun stories. Um, and this is about why an LL Dreamliner got grounded and delayed for two days at a Hong Kong airport. Um so this Dreamliner flew into Hong Kong from Tel Aviv on November the 10th. It arrived on time mid-morning and was scheduled to return later that evening as planned. Um, however, while turning the aircraft around, imagine the crew's surprise when they found tiny little paw prints all around the cabin. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so they figured that because of these paw prints, there was a cat somewhere on the plane and it must have boarded the plane while its cargo was being loaded at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. Mm. Um, and, you know, aviation procedures dictate it's not very safe to just fly again with a, an animal running around on the loose. Yeah. Um, so they had to locate this pussycat somehow um, and the flight's crew and lots of airport ground staff got involved running all over the plane crawling all around trying to find this animal uh, but both groups were unsuccessful in locating the feline um, okay. so in order to catch the cat <laughs> they laid some traps throughout the cabin and the cargo hold and left them overnight came back the next day and all the traps were empty so they, they didn't manage to catch the cat but I guess they just realised that he must have got off and gone to find a new life in 
in Hong Kong. Um, because well, maybe the plane... it got off in Tel Aviv before it took off, you know, and they just didn't Possibly. clean it properly. <laughs> that would be rather ironic. But mm. uh, anyway, the plane returned to Tel Aviv on the 12th of November. There's, there's no word on the cat. We assume that it must have been caught given that uh, the plane was given the clearance to take off. Um, but it got me thinking about how many other sort of uh, odd animals have been found on, on aircraft. And uh, I had a bit of a look through the site. Um, so these were some of the weirdest ones I found. In, in December last year, a, a lady got stung on the leg by a rogue scorpion on a United Airlines flight. Um, in August last year, you'll remember this one, Tom, there was a the bat Halloween found one. on a Spirit <laughs> Airlines flight. Yeah. Yep. And they had to lock it in the restroom until they got to where they were going. And, uh, and in November last year, there was a rat spotted on an Air India flight that led to a 12-hour delay while they tried to find it. And mm. I loved the phrasing of the Times of India um, about what was going on with this rat because they said that the rodent was spotted prancing about the aircraft just before takeoff. Okay. <laughs> and got oh, this I remember that one, yeah. of, a, of a rat kind of doing a bit of a jazz hands dance around the cabin, <laughs> yeah. trying to scare all the passengers. Um, anyway, we don't know no, if they found you, the cat. You, Maybe they you've can... No. What's that? The um, the what the lovely um, Lufthansa Washington cat. Oh, I didn't remember that one. You you will when you look at it. It's um, the my when I use my wonderful um, Photoshop skills. Oh, the giant fat cat sitting on the <laughs> runway. <laughs> I remember the image certainly, if not the story. <laughs> Much hilarity was caused. We, we have to use that as the image in. This week's <laughs> podcast article. Definitely, definitely. So anyway, um, I guess the moral of the story is don't take your cat on a flight unless he's in a cat carrier, but then you probably knew that well, anyway. Well, I mean, even then, you know, that's not the best idea because that's just bringing back um, straight into my mind. Do you remember that episode of um, the UK show Airline with EasyJet when there was that um, the French woman who'd taken her cat on the flight and... Oh, I'll have to share that with you. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, much hilarity was caused. I do remember the tiny horse flying in first class once. I was very jealous because I hadn't oh, seen yeah, the no, premium cabin at that time. I wasn't a big fan of that, that one so much. <laughs> anyway, enough silliness for today. Yep. I think we're all feeling a bit festive today. So uh, we do hope you enjoyed our nonsense podcast today. <laughs> and as usual, we welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.